Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. There have been times that I've had thoughts about doing something different on a Monday during the regular season, and then I thought, why? Why fix something that's not broken? Why adjust something that's just so perfect? I kid, of course. I just think it's a really good way to reset our brains, get settled for the week ahead. Uh, After weekends that, I think for most people, it's a little bit harder to stay locked in on every game as they're going. There's just something mentally that's a little bit harder than that. That's why we do reverse chronological lightning round Monday. It's a speed run through the weekend to make sure we're all kind of caught up on everything going on with each team individually. It's easier to do it this way than it is to go through the teams alphabetically. I believe going through alphabetically just feels kind of weird. It's not the way the brain processes basketball scores. So that's the way, that's what we do. Welcome to the show, everybody. It's Fantasy NBA Today. It's Monday, the last day of January. We have almost cleared another month. We're more than 60% of the way through the NBA season. We are 10 days from the NBA trade deadline. And I start today's show by letting all of you guys know that we will, like usual here at Sports Ethos, have our annual trade deadline live show. But this year, we will be starting a live show an hour earlier, and it's going to be a five-hour monster. 8 a.m. Pacific time, 11 a.m. Eastern, until an hour past the deadline. So 1 p.m. on the Pacific Coast, 4 p.m. Eastern. So 11 to 4 Eastern, 8 to 1 Pacific I just, you know, there's always stuff that's going on in the morning, and I'm looking at it like, why aren't we on air yet? Why aren't we on air yet? And then stuff breaks throughout the day. I have some of the lineup. You'll hear from David Williams, Keith Cork, Adam King, Steve Vitovich, Sam Orlick, Josh Millman, Corbin Ford, and, of course, myself and our CEO, Aaron Bruski, the founder of Sports Ethos and formerly Hoopball, plus more. I haven't finished the list yet of folks coming on this thing. It's going to be a wingding. We always have a lot of fun with it. We take the trades as they happen and go straight to the fantasy analysis. How do you find it? Go to youtube.com slash sports ethos. That's a pretty easy one. YouTube.com slash sports ethos. It's the only thing that's scheduled that hasn't happened yet. I've been tweeting links out from my own Twitter account, at Dan Bespris, D-A-N-B-E-S-B-R-I-S. Go there, set a reminder. I think that's something you can do. You can just hit the little alarm clock button on the page so you get an email, little bloop reminder when the, sh- the trade deadline show fires up. And please click the thumbs up button on the page. If we can kind of preload it with a lot of thumbs up, that'll help this thing get in front of more people. This is kind of a cool way for us here at Sports Ethos to do something super fun, We have a blast doing it. I know you guys enjoy watching it because it's the analysis you want fantasy-wise on trades that are going down, not, you know, the big box sites that are talking about this stuff as it pertains to actual real-life wins and losses. But who cares about that crap? We got fantasy teams to run. So please do head over there. Find this link. Um, I'll try to put it actually in the, the podcast description starting today up until trade deadline Thursday. I'll put the link in the podcast description so you can click it through there. Click the thumbs up button, please. There's like multiple thousands of you that listen to this podcast. If even a small fraction of you go to the link, click the thumbs up button and preload us with a bunch of those. This takes no time at all. This literally takes like four seconds. It'll really help us reach a ton of people on Thursday morning, February the 10th. So that should be a lot of fun. But let's dive straight into the reverse chronological lightning round. Starting with the Clippers and the Hornets. And, you know, funny thing is, this is probably the game that's going to take us the longest to break down. And it's right out of the chute because the Clippers are a super confusing team right now. And I know this game was blowout rules, so you don't want to read too much into it. But it's also not that different from a game in Miami on Friday, which wasn't a blowout. And the box score mishmash was relatively similar in that game to this one, which effectively is saying we're going to play who works. In this game, again, blowout rules, we have to grain of salt, that kind of thing. In this game, nine Clippers played between 20 and 28 minutes. 
nine guys saw not quite starters minutes, close, but not quite. But the guys that have been consistently up there lately are Luke Kennard and Amir Coffey. You guys have heard me talk a lot in this podcast about how I think Amir Coffey is going to run really hot and really cold. His fantasy game is pretty well predicated on scoring. So if that's not happening, if he's not getting the shots, if they're not going down, the fantasy stuff, there isn't a lot to buttress his nightly fantasy output. That's why I've put him more in the like top of the streamer departments right now because most of the games are going to be decent, but it's not going to be a big difference maker kind of stream it's gonna be like oh okay good like i'm falling behind in games played amir coffee's a guy who's healthy and should help keep pace in something like that of everybody on the team right now i actually like luke Kennard the most which i've kind of kicked back and forth but i paid really close attention to the last two clippers games because i was concerned about this i was like okay well what's happening with Kennard? he's been shooting the ball well so that the threes the points they've been sort of artificially inflated by warm shooting but at the same time, the real big key recently to Kennard's value is that he's orchestrating the offense for about half the ball game now. Reggie Jackson gets a chunk of time. If Eric Bledsoe's playing well, sometimes he sees a little bit of that orchestrator role, but it's going heavily these days to Luke Kennard. He had 10 rebounds in this game on Sunday. That's not something that you can say is going to happen regularly, but he's running off it. So the assists are up. And this will probably stick until Paul George comes back because Marcus Morris is back for this ballgame. I know Nick Batum was out, and that takes us down another road. So first thing is, Luke Kennard, I'm satisfied at this point. I've seen enough to say he's an ad, start him. There will be some bad games mixed in, but the good are going to likely outweigh the bad. Even though he doesn't get defensive stats, there's enough other stuff right now. We've gone through players like this before who don't get defensive stats, but Kennard hits threes, very good free throw shooter, Good assist numbers lately. I think that can actually counterweight the lack of steals and blocks. Uh, Marcus Morris is back from the personal leave, and he was fine. He took 12 shots. I've always said that 12 shots is kind of his barrier number, and I think he probably gets that. His minutes were down because he hadn't played in a while and because it was a blowout. He's a guy I think I would probably roster, but I'm not totally sold on it. Like, we're talking about top 90, 95 upside and that's not much upside at least with canard there's like top 80 kind of upside and that's the thing that's the rub with the clippers there really isn't a player on the team right now that has game changing upside the only guy who comes close is actually isaiah hartenstein who if he played 25 26 minutes a game he has top 60 top 70 type of upside that's a guy that moves the boulder forward i've we've used that metaphor before he saw 21 minutes in this one. Again, blowout, possibly blowout related. If he beats a Zubats, only 20 minutes. He probably would have seen a few more if this game was closer. I'm not fully sold on Hartenstein getting enough minutes going forward. I am sold on his fantasy stat set, which is why he's a guy that I'm watching like a hawk. I know that you know, in some Roto Games Cap types of leagues, you can be, he can be, you can squat on him. I don't think anyone's getting out of his way at the trade deadline. Like, I don't think anybody's taking Serge Ibaka from the Clippers. If they don't want to play him, they're just going to have to sit him. At which point, maybe it gets close enough, but I'm probably not using up a roster spot on that right now. So that was, yeah, the Clippers, again, probably the team we were going to talk about the most of all 30, and we knocked him out right out of the shoot. For instance, on the Charlotte side, there's nothing. Mason Plumley. P.J. Washington continue to split the center minutes, and it's lame. Gordon Hayward still in protocols. Cody Martin taking his spot and not doing much. LaMelo Ball's picked it back up. Kind of went through a little dog days thing. Now he's uh, ramping back up again. He's had a week or so of first-round value after about a month and a half of third-round value, such as the long haul of an NBA season. Lakers without LeBron James. That changed over the weekend, actually. That was happening right, I think, after our Friday show where he got ruled out with a sore knee. And then there was this whole Sunday morning discrepancy where our buddies over at NBC reported that he was expected to miss six ball games, but that was unsubstantiated. And what happened, I believe, not to be an apologist, but I do love the guys over there. They've, we've worked with them a lot. I believe the error came from the fact that in the ESPN article that was referencing LeBron heading back to Los Angeles early, he wasn't with the Lakers for this game in Atlanta, 
He talked about how he was expected to play when the team got back from their game against Portland on Wednesday. But the game actually is against Portland at home on Wednesday. The Lakers have a road game in Portland two Mondays from now. And that's where that little hiccup got put in. So they thought, okay, well, he's going to play when they get back from that game in Portland two weeks from today. Whereas I think the indication was that ESPN biffed where the game was on Wednesday, thinking it was a road game. In fact, it's a home game. The Lakers might have him back this week. I think he probably misses another game or two. You don't want to screw around with a sore, inflamed knee, not when you're as old as Braun and not when you need to do as much as he does. At the same time, the Lakers are in a bad spot right now. They can't defend anybody. And as great as they played offensively for long stretches in this game, Lakers shot 70% in the first half of this game and then ultimately lost because they couldn't rebound and they let Aniko Okongwu dunk on their heads three times in about a four-minute span in the fourth quarter in the half court. That is some bad pick-and-roll defense. Big lines out of Malik Monk, Anthony Davis, Russell Westbrook. These guys are going to have to do a lot when LeBron is out. I think Carmelo Anthony even probably hits the radar again when LeBron is out. Uh, but Monk is certainly the safer of the two. Carmelo is... like he, he can't be in there for more than 20 minutes because of his defense in a game like this one. They just couldn't keep him on the floor because he couldn't keep a hawk in front of him. He got obliterated in pick and roll. If you play a team, let's, I mean, if Melo's really hot, that's a way he can stay out on the floor. If you play a team that's not trying to exploit him in the pick and roll, he can stay out on the floor that way. But like this one, the way that they try to keep Melo out of trouble is just a straight switch on a pick and roll. That's not going to work because that would have put him on Trey Young a bunch of times. So then they try other stuff, various drop coverages and what have you. And all that is just a complete mess. So then you saw a little extra Stanley Johnson here. Ultimately, fantasy-wise, obviously Anthony Davis. Obviously, if you have Russell Westbrook, what are you doing? But you're going to have to start him at this point because you sort of made that bed. But Malik Monk is a hard go as long as LeBron is out. I think Melo, I would give the go with LeBron out. Uh, Portland is not a team that's going to exploit the Lakers the way that Trey Young can. And then when LeBron comes back, you probably get rid of those two guys. Meanwhile, on the Atlanta side, I like Bogdan Bogdanovich. He's playing his way back into game shape. He's up to 27 minutes here, and he's been the best wing for the Hawks since he got his legs back. You guys know I've been way down on Kevin Herter. I've been down more than most on DeAndre Hunter. I think there's only a couple of us in the analyst ranks that have been sort of cautioning you all on the Hunter stuff. You might remember my multiple rants on how he just isn't doing anything besides shooting, and so when that goes away, which is what we saw here, he didn't get that many shots. He was struggling with AD at times. Free throws were weird. Things turn ugly quick when there isn't other stuff, reliable other stuff, to hold up, to prop up the fantasy line. Will he be a late-round guy? Yeah, because he's going to play starters minutes, and he makes them better. Will he be a difference maker? Nope. The other fantasy note on this game, Okongwu, because of how well he was playing with Trey Young, he went eight for nine shooting, Yowza. And they were easy, man. It was not like he was firing away. He was dunking. He saw some extra time. And Capella, his time was diminished a little bit. But Clint played relatively well in the game as well. It was just that Okongwu was so good for most of the fourth quarter, they let him run. I would love to say that it's time to keep Okongwu on your team. I just, you know, he's coming off the bench behind Capella. And most of the time, Capella then gets the first crack at the important minutes. He's going to be the guy in the 26 to 30 range. Okongwu is going to be the guy in the 18 range. And then every once in a while, you'll have a game where it's where it pivots a little bit. And even in this one, which was more of a best case, Capella still played more minutes. I don't know that you need to hang on to Okongwu much as I wish it was going to shift right now. I don't think it's going to. Nothing of note with the Trailblazers. We can move along from that one until we hear about anybody coming back for them. That's, I think this is basically what they are now. And then with Chicago, we were paying attention to Ayo Desumu. He's been on the radar here. How will he fare with Levine, DeRozan, and Vooch all in the lineup? And the answer is really nicely. 7.6 boards, 11 assists, 3 ball, 2 steals. Almost no usage to speak of. Somehow ended up with 11 assists. I guess that'll happen when guys around you can shoot real well. I'm not a buyer on Kobe White. He had a better shooting game here, just got more shots. But I'll tell you, Ayo... If you've got him, stick with it. 
There seems to be enough non-usage things for him to do right now. Yes, Portland, that's a good opponent if you're going to rack up fantasy stuff, but to me, he's definitely bought himself more time. No question. Question on the Cavaliers is, would anybody step in and do what Lowry Markin was doing, or some reasonable facsimile of it? Could Dean Wade become consistent? He had a better game here, but no, is the answer. Could uh, J.D. Osmond become consistent? No. Could Isaac Okoro start shooting in the starting lineup? The answer is no. So overall, the answer is none of the above. So it's just Darius Garland, Jared Allen, Kevin Love, Evan Mobley. Markkanen's absence just took one fantasy name off the board. That's it. On the Detroit side, things are about to get real ugly. Not like, not from a straight basketball standpoint, from a rotations standpoint. Because we know Cade is going to play, Sadiq Bey is going to play. Beyond that, nothing's really set in stone. Killian Hayes, they're bringing off the bench now. They want him to try to get more experience against second units. So Corey Joseph is a very quiet starter. Jeremy Grant is about to come back. That probably punts Hamadou Diallo to the bench and Sadiq Bey down to the small forward spot. So Grant will come back and get his big chunk of shots. Kelly Olynyk is close. Does he just take Trey Lyles 20 minutes? Or is it a three-headed monster now? Or is Trey Lyles going to get traded? Will they scale back Isaiah Stewart further? He played more minutes in this game than usual. Finally had a better ball game. I mean, he continues to be quite bad this year, so I don't at all feel bad about dumping him three weeks ago and just not worrying about it anymore. But my, my you know, I'm less bullish on Kelly Olynyk than I was back in mid-December when it was like, oh, he should be back any day now, and Jeremy Grant's not close, and Isaiah Stewart's been horrible, and Trey Lyles is bleh. But now everybody's playing, and he's still in protocols, or he's about to be out of them, or whatever the hell it is. I'm holding on to Olenek because I sat on him for a while, so now I kind of have to see what happens, but I'm starting to think that it's like maybe a 30% chance that things work out well for him. And the way that they work out well is if Lyles gets moved or they just turn him off, or if Jeremy Grant gets moved, because that opens up enough power forward minutes for Olenek on top of presumably 15 center minutes. That gets him into the mid-20s, and that would be more than enough for fantasy value on the Kelly Olenek front. Uh, it was a busy damn Sunday, wasn't it? Denver bit Milwaukee is a high-scoring game. Denver shot 60%. I maintain, besides Jokic, who's just been insane lately, uh, Will Barton hovering right on the edge. He's been warmer again lately, so that's good. And in this one, Aaron Gordon and Monte Morris both had start-worthy games. But I'll tell you, if you can figure out who's going to do it on a given night for Denver, cool, man. I can't be bothered with that. It's not worth my time. None of them is exciting enough. That's that's really what it comes down to. The big games are still only kind of okay. Feh. And Milwaukee's sort of a boring fantasy spot, too. It seems like Grayson Allen has really bought his way back into the good graces there. Was hurt for a while. Was COVID for a while. Uh, but he's the starting shooting guard, and he's just going to sort of quietly plod along on, alongside these other guys. I thought there was a chance Dante DiVincenzo might jump over him. He hasn't. Pat Connaughton's gone useless since Allen came back. I think it's best to just stick with the four main guys out that way. Easy enough. Dallas fell asleep at the wheel, lost in Orlando. Whoopsies. No Kristaps Porzingis. Thought Maxi Kleba would have a better ball game. He was pretty quiet here, but, you know, high 20s in minutes. You'll generally get up near 30 when Porzingis is out. He's worth streaming despite this slow ball game. Um... No, you're not going to roll Marquise Chris out there. He has a great fantasy profile, but, you know, 18, 19 minutes isn't going to be consistently enough. Reggie Bullock, probably not going to be doing enough. If they give him the starting job and turn him loose for 30-some-odd minutes alongside Doncic, you might give him a look in deeper leagues, but not right now. Not after one good ball game off the bench. Uh, Chuma Okiki, two good games in a row, but Captain Buzzkill at your service here at Fantasy NBA Today. He's been really hot. That's the thing. For Okiki, the steals are going to be there. And, you know, they've been crazy high, actually, for him this year. 1.4 steals and only 23 and change minutes per ballgame. Like, he's a guy that, with starters minutes, could push two steals per game. And over the last month, he's been a fantasy start-worthy guy, mostly because of 1.7 steals and almost a block per ballgame. And to that end, you can probably roll with it 
and hope that those defensive numbers stay as high as they have been. I can't guarantee they will. That's a really difficult pace to keep up for anyone. When he's shooting the ball well, as he has been lately, generally like four or five of his last six or seven games have been pretty good shooting contests, then he's definitely a start because you're getting the three-pointers on top of a few rebounds and then all the defensive numbers. When the shooting goes away, he's pretty much just a steals guy at that point. Like the game where he shot two for nine, it was three steals and, you know, a fart the rest of his line. Or you go back to that game against Portland where he didn't shoot very well. Or the game before that, he didn't shoot. He had five steals in those two games and a block, but nothing else. So there's a matisse Diable element to it. Do we know that he can keep that up? Uh, I'm inclined to say probably not. He was at 1.1 steals in 25 minutes last year to be at 1.4 in 23 and a half minutes this season. I mean, maybe something clicked and he's just going to be a steals monster for this entire season and perhaps it levels back off next year. That type of stuff does happen. So, yeah, probably he belongs on rosters, but I'm also pretty cautious about saying this is something that, especially on the defensive side, really does stick for the rest of the way. And, of course, Chuma playing well has actually sucked a few minutes away from Mo Bamba. Don't abandon ship there. His fantasy profile is too nice. Uh, but just understand that, you know, maybe he's not going to play 31 minutes a game like he did at the beginning of the year. That was always a bit of a sell high anyway. Bismack Biombo still mildly useful on that Phoenix side. Not great. JaVale McGee came back. They flip-flopped. McGee came off the bench. They're probably both streamable if McGee is starting. If he's coming off the bench, I don't think I would trust him, which is where we're at right now. Cam Johnson hasn't done quite as much as I would have hoped in a Jay Crowder stream, but I, I think you got to stick with that. We've seen when Crowder's out, Johnson is generally reliable. Right now, we're in the middle of a little Mikhail Bridges push. I mean, we're very much in the middle of a Chris Paul push, but it's nice to see Bridges kind of starting to get himself, I don't want to say like, on track because it hasn't been a bad season it's just been kind of a quiet one there was no real step forward for him he's number 65 overall uh but recently we've seen some signs of offensive enjoyment and i'm not talking about like for a month i'm talking about like a week so it's a very small sample size of bridges doing a little bit more hopefully it sticks i don't know that it will devin booker's been I think actually I saw a stat that Booker's leading the NBA in shot attempts over the last month. So that's something. Which means that there just isn't as much for a guy like Cam Johnson, who's not the main focal point, especially, again, if Bridges is taking a few extra. Spurs rested everyone in this ballgame. So just throw this thing out. Push it off to the side. Spurs are not an interesting fantasy team, but when they rest their entire starting lineup pretty much, uh, Derek White sat, DeJounte Murray sat, Jakob Pertl sat. Oddly, Devin Vassell didn't but couldn't get a shot to go down for the life of him. Lonnie Walker, you figured he would get a bunch of looks. He did. Doug McDermott had a bunch of looks. Keldon Johnson had a bunch of looks. Who cares, man? Those, other, those guys are coming back. This was it. Like, there's no point in recapping that one because that was very much a, like, catching a shooting star. Came and went. Joe Ingles hurt his knee. They're hoping that it's not as bad as it looked. It's possible that the news on Ingles might have even broken... Uh, since I recorded this podcast, but as of this moment, they are fearing a very serious injury, but it's not yet diagnosed. Things are messy in Utah right now. No Donovan Mitchell, no Rudy Gobert, and now likely no Joe Ingles for a long while. You can keep rolling Hassan Whiteside out. He's in a free throw funk. I mean, he's generally not very good there, but he was better after that one season where he just totally forgot how to shoot him. Uh, Mike Conley, Boyan Bogdanovich, Jordan Clarkson, those guys are startable right now. Royce O'Neal hovering right on the edge of startable in kind of a boring way. And uh, hopefully Mitchell is back relatively soon. He, he started to clear protocols. He like got through the first stage of them, but he's not totally out. And then with Gobert, I said it even last week, said it last Monday, he thought he was coming back in a week. And like we all have seen enough calf injuries in our lives. I've experienced a strained calf. That doesn't go away in a week. I think he's probably out at least another week if you're if you're budgeting on Gobert here. I think this is at least a two-weeker, maybe more. And then with Minnesota still 
no Patrick Beverly. I'm so annoyed with Patrick Beverly right now because he was questionable last Monday. Questionable. He was questionable. I think they had four games this week. He was questionable for every one of them and didn't play the whole damn week. I started him in a weekly league on Monday. I was like, oh, he's questionable. Like, he's 50-50 today. That probably leans towards 60-40 by the next game and 70-30. But, like, he'll play. Surely he'll play one or two games this week. Nope. Frickin' Pat Beverly and his slow healing crap. I should have... Should have known better. Uh, Jaden McDaniels went 9-for-9 nine nine in this game, but you can pretty much ignore that. When Beverly and D'Angelo Russell are out, D'Lo dealing with a shin injury right now. Malik Beasley is usually the guy you grab. He just only had 12 shots and didn't get to play as much, precisely because Torian Prince and McDaniels played a lot better, and the game was a blowout. So Cat and Anthony Edwards, I don't know why they played mid-30s and minutes anyway. I guess it was somewhat close until the fourth quarter. Um... I admit I didn't watch this one live, but Cat had probably his best game of the year. Triple-double, super efficient. He's having, I would argue that Cat is having the quietest top eight fantasy season that I can remember. Like, he hasn't had a spectacular game in I don't know how long before this one, but there he is, still there, inside the top ten, just hanging around, doing good stuff every darn night. Kind of quietly, somehow. This portion of the show is brought to you by our friends at ThriveFantasy.com and the Thrive Fantasy app. Prop up, people, with prop bets at Thrive Fantasy. No longer, no longer must you toil at the deepest corners of the darkest dumpsters in DFS gaming. No longer must you try to figure out if Saban Lee is going to play six minutes in a ball game and take four shots. No longer, no longer must you try to figure out if Jeremiah Robinson Earl is going to log more than 19 minutes in a basketball game. No longer must you determine if Matt Thomas is worth playing on the Chicago Bulls. Because at Thrive Fantasy, you only need to focus on the names, the big names, the superstars, The folks you care about. 20 prop bets to choose from. You pick 10. Overs and unders. If you get the most points from your selections, you win money in the Thrive Fantasy Tournament du jour. 100% deposit match bonus and multiple free game vouchers with just a $10 deposit using promo code ETHOS. E-T-H-O-S. Head on over there. Throw 10 bucks in the account. You get another 10 on the deposit match and two $20 contest entry vouchers, $60 of play for $10 of deposit at thrivefantasy.com with promo code ETHOS. Check them out now. They're a fantastic partner. You guys are going to have a lot of fun. I really, I promise you're going to enjoy yourself. It's fun. In my estimation, it's better than traditional DFS. I know that plenty of folks out there love regular DFS. I'm just not one of them. So something different, something special. This is right up my alley. Thrive Fantasy, they've got the app, Apple's, uh, Apple Store, Android Store, wherever you got to go, or the computer, thrivefantasy.com. That's where my old people like me go to play it. Check it out now. Go to play it. Check it out now. Shifting the clock back to Saturday, Boston beat New Orleans on the road. Boy, when Jason Tatum goes, Jason Tatum really goes. Has anyone had a more up-and-down season than Tatum? By the way, his free throw percent is now up to 85. Remember when that was like 78 and we couldn't figure out what the hell was going on there? Field goal percent still a 43 on the year. Tatum's worked himself up to number 20 overall on the season, but he's number nine the last two months. So basically, after a slow first month, he's settled in just fine to be right where we thought he would be. Cool. I'll tell you, though, the guy that I'm so enamored with on this team is Robert Williams. He's a mid-second rounder over the last two months, and he's actually been getting better since then. The Time Lord. Over the last month, which is about a dozen games, 13 or so games for the NBA, he is number six in nine cat. Nine and a half points, 11 rebounds, two and a half assists, 1.3 steals, 2.3 blocks, sorry, 2.5 blocks, 71% from the field, 95% at the free throw line. This is a man possessed. He has figured it out mid-season and they are riding him now. Big minutes. His body is handling it a little bit better. I mean, if you look at who he's in front of over this last month, 
in that top 12. Right behind him, Joel Embiid, DeJounte Murray, Cat, Butler, CP3, Trey Young, Jason Tatum, Rudy Gobert. The Time Lord is right behind LeBron over the last month. And by the way, this is with Anthony Davis at number four in the last month, even though he's only played three games. You pull him out, Time Lord's number five in that span. I said in a tweet on Saturday, I think you can go and trade for him, and I don't think you're going to have to pay a first-round price to get him. I think you could get him for a third-rounder right now, and I definitely would. He's winning leagues. If you can cover his lack of scoring, he's winning leagues. His rebounding is elite. His passing is terrific for a big man. Big positive in steals. Monster positive in blocks, field goal, and free throw, and turnovers. Like, this is a guy that suddenly has become a big positive in six out of nine categories. And I would argue two and a half assists out of your center spot. Is that a positive? I don't know, but it's certainly not a negative. The only thing he's not getting you is three-pointers, but who who the cares? Pile those up somewhere else. Pick up freaking Duncan Robinson off the wire when he got hot last month. Someone's hitting threes out there. You can't get what Time Lord's doing. This is, I mean, he it's clicked. It's clicked. This was the whole thing. Would it click this year? Would he figure out the defensive side of the ball to be in the right place at the right time? And about five, six weeks ago, he did it. Al Horford was a little bit better in this game. Uh, still only played 25 minutes, though. Grant Williams saw some extra run for reasons I'm not completely sure of. Uh, Horford's a tough one right now. I think you have to hold on him, but I get it. He's been quite bad. Josh Hart uh, banged his knee in this one. Hopefully he'll be able to play through it. This is the this is the story with Hart, though. He never plays more than four or five games in a row without some kind of injury. It's the Patrick Beverly syndrome. I keep getting asked about Jose Alvarado. He played 19 and a half minutes. I know he had a great ball game, but no one didn't have done in 19 and a half minutes. There's like three guys in the NBA, and they're all centers. Devontae Graham, generally startable when Brandon Ingram is out. Willie Hernan Gomez, startable when Jonas Valanciunas is out. Uh, no real magical changes with new orleans that's all kind of a one-to-one who do you stream when x player is on the shelf sort of deal indiana just the bleep with that at this point done i'm done with the stream stuff here we dug into it we thought maybe we could find some with tory craig he's been horrible total misfire there he had a couple games that were serviceable and some quite bad ones justin holiday was kind of hanging in there but blech at this point freaking Dwayne washington has been the best player not named Demonis Sabonis on the team lately. So you can start Sabonis, you can start Levert. Beyond that, meh. Move on. Sacramento almost stole one in Philadelphia. They led this game for a while. Tyrese Halliburton, holy crap. 38, 3 7, 3 steals, 5 threes, hyper efficient. Yowza. He's had himself a pretty good run at Tyrese Halliburton. Uh, and he has zoomed under the radar this year. He's number 27 per game in nine category leagues at this point. This is a guy who was drafted like near 60, 50 or 60. Everybody was complaining about it when he was actually a half round ahead of his ADP. Now he's like three rounds ahead of his ADP, and people are still like, meh, because he only scores 14 points a game. I, like, I don't, this is a hell of a fantasy player. Rashawn Holmes' minutes are starting to get back up where they need to be. He was dealing with Joel Embiid this game, so give him a bit of a pass on the actual stats. But 31 minutes, that's key. Marvin Bagley turned an ankle, which means we should see a little bit more Shemezi Metu in the next ball game. Perhaps even a little more Damian Jones, depending on how they go here. We wait on De'Aaron Fox. If he plays, Davian Mitchell is not useful. If he doesn't, at this point, Mitchell is borderline useful. He's a low-ceiling kind of back-end streamer type. But again, we're talking about where can you find three-pointers on the wire? There's one. Not interesting, but there's one. Nothing of note at all on the Philly side. And basically, this ballgame proved all the things we're worried about, which is when they're healthy, that is, Seth Curry came back. And I know Firkin Korkmaz has a sore knee, so he might sit one out. But when Curry, Korkmaz... Thibel and Danny Green are all healthy. Curry gets the starters minutes, and the other three guys split like 40 backup minutes across a few different positions, and none of them hits value. George Niang is in that, that blender also. So gross. Leave it alone. Oh, was this game amazing. Toronto at Miami. 
Raptors win in triple overtime. Oof. Look at the minute totals on this game. By the way, if you want to know who's almost definitely not going to make it through the next two weeks, look at the minutes and see who played more than 50 in this game. And you can just mark them off for a missed game. Jimmy Butler, questionable with a sore ankle. I mean, yeah, duh. 53 minutes, 37, 14, and 10, three steals and two blocks. Pascal Siakam, 56 minutes and 31 seconds. Scotty Barnes, the rookie, 56 minutes. Someone was going to die on the court in this game. Ananobi, 55-50. Trent, 55-40. Freddie Van Fleet, who just came back from a sore knee. What on God's green earth are you doing? I know these games are important. I know you want to have a successful NBA season. Toronto, you're the eight seed right now, Raptors. Let one go. Freddie Van Fleet, I can't imagine he's good to go in the next ball. I know we haven't heard anything yet, but... Crap, dude. Dude just missed a bunch of games with a sore knee. And then he plays 53 and a half minutes. Anyway, if you were counting on uh, bench player Chris Boucher to be involved in this game, which I was, bad news, the bench didn't get to play. They will in the next one. They will have to because someone's probably going to be out injured or if they try to play these guys this many minutes, they're, they're going to shoot 32% for the ball game on a, on a good night and someone's just going to pass out in the third quarter. On the Miami side, I'm intrigued by P.J. Tucker, which something I thought I would only say up to 2018. Uh, what, the, what year was he the, the small ball center on the Rockets? I think that was actually more recent than that. Um, when he's not playing center, I generally find it hard to give an okay, a thumbs up on P.J., but they're really getting him open in the corner a lot lately. Problem with Tucker, of course, is if he doesn't get those pair of corner threes, he's going to score two points. So your team kind of has to be okay with that. If you're a punt points team, I think P.J. Tucker probably has a spot on your roster. He's top 125 over the last month if you're not punting points. If you are, he jumps up into that 75 to 90 range. So check your team out. Can you handle it? Maybe. I don't know. He's not even really a specialist because it's not like he's rebounding that much. It's 3 and D at this point, and it's just a slightly more reliable than usual 3 and D. I think Duncan Robinson will bounce back. You might see him get dropped after this horrible ball game, but he'll be okay. Especially if anybody has to sit out the next one from, you know, coughing dust after playing 55 minutes. Memphis beat up on Washington. Bradley Beal went full point guard mode in this game. Nine points, 12 assists, but couldn't hit a shot. Kuzma scored 30. He had cooled off considerably after that heater earlier this month, which, again, I mean, that's why we were saying try to trade him for a top 75 guy, because, yeah. Uh, Daniel Gafford, DNP. No real reason was given. I kept expecting them to be like, oh, by the way, Gafford was dealing with a sore ankle, and then that sort of just never materialized. Um, Even after the fact, he just... DNP'd it. So the Wizards tried cutting back to only two real centers in Thomas Bryan and Montrez Harrell. Didn't help them very much. But I think, at least in my eyes, it means that Thomas Bryan, who started the game and played 20 minutes, he's the guy they do ultimately want to ramp back into that starter's job. So, so, this to me, and I know that Bryan is way overstashed, considering he has not yet had a fantasy-worthy game this year. And I don't know how long it's going to be before he does. Uh, but he's probably the guy you now look at. He's played 20 minutes in two of the last three games as his body starts to get back into a rhythm. If he clears 26 minutes, he goes top 100. He doesn't actually elevate that fast fantasy-wise because he's mostly field goal percent. That's generally it. He's not that great of a rebounder. Last year, he hit fantasy value because of field goal percentage. Didn't block that many shots. He hit one three-pointer, 14 points, six boards, which is like, meh, it's fine for a center, but it's nothing special. And that was in 27 minutes. So that's kind of where you need to get him back to this year if it's going to be fantasy value. Could it happen? Yeah, it could happen. If they decide ultimately that they want to go more to like a one-center type of deal. I don't know that that's coming unless Montrez Harrell gets moved. But Brian is probably worth that last stash spot on your roster. That's kind of the end result of that circuitous discussion. 
Grizzlies blew him out, so minutes were a little all over the map. Ja, John Conchar played the big minutes in this ballgame, as I shrug in confusion. Steven Adams also played 28 minutes. He had one of his better games of the year. I don't know, man. De'Anthony Melton getting 27 minutes was a really nice thing, despite Desmond Bain being back. So, cool. This is really good stuff for Melton. Maybe it's finally starting to stick a little bit. Uh, and Brandon Clark, his minutes were a little lower in this ballgame, but he still did the same stuff we were liking before. So, no, I'm not into Steven Adams. Yes, I'm into Melton. Yes, I'm into Brandon Clark. No, I'm not into John Conchar. No, I'm not into slow-mo. And I don't know that I need to talk about anybody else. I mean, obviously, yes, I'm into Desmond Bain and John Moran and Jaron Jackson Jr., but that's called implied. Uh, LaMarcus Aldridge turned an ankle in Brooklyn's loss in Golden State. I even said, I think, on Friday's show that I thought LaMarcus would not get to play much in this game anyway. He was midway through having actually a decent ball game when he got hurt in the fourth quarter. If he saw another five, six minutes, this probably would have been a fantasy-friendly night. Left the arena on crutches. My guess is that he probably misses a week or a week and a half, which means Nick Claxton, who started this game, most likely plays more than 17 minutes in the next one. He probably plays enough, I would think, 25. So pick up Nick Claxton. He's startable while Aldridge is out. I'm trying to hold on to LaMarcus in places where I can. I totally get it. If you're in a head-to-head league where you just can't take that zero, then fine, move on. James Harden was a late scratch with a wrist injury or a hand. I think it was right hand, actually, not the wrist. He'll probably be back for the next one. Can't imagine he misses all that much time. If he's out, and this is the same thing, if two of the studs are out, then Patty Mills is a must-start guy. When two of the studs are in, Mills is more of like a 40% chance of victory on a given night. So he fits much better. I guess he actually fits in most formats because head-to-head, you're like, okay, great, someone's going to be out, so he'll probably have fantasy value like roughly one out of every two games. That's good enough in head-to-head. And then in Roto, you just pick your spots. If Harden's out, play him. If Kyrie's out, play him. Mills, that is. Claxton is only linked to, to Aldridge on this stuff. Otto Porter expected to sit out a ball game for the Warriors, keeping himself in tip-top shape, but I'll tell you, that is one of my favorite streams of the year. Since he moved into the starting lineup and Jonathan Kaminga went to the bench, Porter has been dominant. And I know that's a weird phrase to use on a guy who's scoring, what, like 13, 14 points over that stretch? What are we talking about? About two weeks? Damn, it's been a nice two weeks, though. Over that stretch, he's top 50, 12, 6, and 2 with a steal, a block, almost two three-pointers, 56% from the field, about 80% at the free throw line, 78%. Less than half a turnover. Nine Cat Monster. This is like vintage Otto Porter. It's one of my favorite streams. Just keep rolling it out there because we the news on Draymond Green continues to be kind of bad. Andrew Wiggins had a better ball game here. He's generally startable, and you knew there was going to be the, the all-star game backlash. Everybody talking about how he's the worst all-star ever, so of course he was pissed off. Klay Thompson's starting to get there. Cool, cool. Jordan Poole has found some small amounts of value left, but I'm, I'm not into it. Uh, and then Kevon Looney, you know, rebounds, and that's it. But really for the Warriors, the fact that Thompson is starting to get there, 27 minutes here. And Porter has been so very good. With Porter sitting one out, it's not clear. Does Kaminga actually step in and get a bunch of those minutes back? Or do they just sort of run small and let Andrew Wiggins play a bit more power forward? That would be my guess. They probably spread it out and go kind of small. But whatever. Uh, I want to remind all you guys that I continue to have a delightful present to those who hit me up on Twitter about our buddies at mybookie.com. AG. The Super Bowl is coming. Rams, Bengals. Early line, I believe, is Rams minus four. Are you getting in on this stuff? By the way, historically, if you wait until the very last minute, because this is one of the most heavily bet games of the entire year, I think it actually might be the biggest single game, the public gets more involved in the Super Bowl than any other game. So weird lines develop. And one thing that develops on the Super Bowl is that the money line and the spread don't match because public bettors love to bet favorites on the spread and dogs on the money line if they have no idea what's about to happen in a ballgame. So most likely, as we get close to the Super Bowl, you're going to see a Rams favorite number. 
That's probably a little bit too high. And you're going to see a Bengals money line dog number that's probably a little bit too low. So the dog on the spread and the favorite on the money line tend to be an interesting combo where you actually have a little bit of built-in value. It's like a built-in middling opportunity without actually having to have the line move at all. Want to know where you can do that? Our friends at mybookie.ag. They'll also have a ton of props on the Super Bowl. They've got other things that are going on that are already starting to roll out. And if you want to open up an account over there with promo code HOOPBALL, please do check with me first because I think I got a present for you. At Dan Bespris on Twitter, D-A-N-B-E-S-B-R-I-S. Also, shout out to our friends at manscaped.com. Promo code there is ethos20. And our friends at expressvpn.com with the special hyperlink. Call it a URL these days. Expressvpn.com slash hoopball. Those are our partners. You heard about Thrive Fantasy earlier in the show. Got a really cool uh, testimonial on Twitter from uh, Tal. Tall, probably pronouncing it wrong. I think it's Tall, who said he joined Thrive Fantasy, did the $10 deposit like I talked about earlier in the show, got the $10 match, got the coupons to join the, or the vouchers to join the contest, and he won a $1,500 contest. Turned 10 bucks into 1500 and then won a $500 contest a couple days later. Dude took $10 in Thrive Fantasy and turned it into two grand in a week. That's probably a best-case scenario. I don't think that's going to happen for all of you like that. But if you listen to our DFS guys and you get involved over there, that's pretty cool, man. Very cool testimonial. Thank you to Tal for, uh, for sending that my way on Twitter. That's pretty neat. Um, quickly here, looking back on Friday, just to make sure we didn't miss anybody... And the answer is yes, we did. The Oklahoma City Thunder, which actually got a tiny bit interesting because Shea Gilgis-Alexander turned his ankle and he's officially out through the All-Star break. Uh, Or did they say through the trade deadline? Now I'm getting that mixed up. I think it's through the All-Star break. So I think we're talking about two and a half, three weeks at this point uh, where there will not be Shea. Lou Dort should have all the usage he can handle. This probably moves him actually up and over the cut line. I'd been out on Dort because all he's generally been doing is shooting threes. He's going to have to do more now. Josh Giddy probably moves back up above the cut line here. I got some Darius Baisley questions. Every time something good happens with Darius Baisley, somebody asks me if they should pick him up. No! How do you forget the month in between good ball games? No. All that this does is probably move Dort and Giddy from just on the outside of fantasy value to just on the inside. May- and that's even kind of still a maybe. Probably. Let's go with probably. It's better than a it's a little hotter than a maybe. Uh, Houston, Kevin Porter Jr. It was in protocols, then he was out. It was a non-COVID illness, then it was a COVID illness. Now it's back to a non-COVID illness. I don't have any idea what's going on in Houston. Uh, but when Porter's out, Jalen Green, Garrison Matthew, all these guys got enough usage to have value. Likelihood is he'll be back, and then those guys move back onto the shelf. And Houston goes back to basically being a team of Christian Wood and nothing. And I believe, nope, the Knicks. Oh, the lowly Knicks these days. Boy, they are flailing. They are flailing. I think the Knicks might have too many half-useful bodies. Tom Thibodeau's gone soft, man. He's not playing anybody 35 minutes a game besides Julius Randle these days. What happened to you, Tom? You used to play your whole starting five 37, 38, 39 minutes a game. I kid. I kid. We're at a point right now where Nerlens Noel is playing, which is something. He had 5-5 five and five with a steal and a block in 20 minutes. If he plays 20 minutes every ballgame, he's actually fantasy startable. And if he plays 20 minutes every ballgame, it's not clear that Mitchell Robinson is anymore fantasy startable. And even when he was, it was only for little stretches. Mitchell's bad free throw percent and sinking block rate have kind of pushed him outside the useful bubble. I would rather have Nerlens Noel and hope that Thibodeau gets annoyed with Robinson and flip-flops those guys again. Knicks kind of need Derrick Rose. A lot went down the toilet when Rose got hurt. Kemba played in this one, but I think he's too big of a headache. Evan Fournier had one of his better games, but that's also a headache. Knicks are a mess. They legitimately don't have a single fantasy-friendly player right now. Consistently, on like a day-to-day basis. If you go to the Knicks, this is... This is an eye-popping exercise. The New York Knicks, on the entire season, don't have a player inside the top 100. Not one. Julius Randle's number 116 per game 
in nine cat. Alec Burks and Derek Rose are 131 and 132. Nerlens, 142, but his minutes are lower, obviously. Mitchell Robinson, 152. Kemba, 156. Fournier, 171. And it's it's been worse than that lately. Over the last month, Nerlens Noel, who at 124 in the four games he's played, has been the best New York Knicks fantasy player. Julius Randle's number 179 over the last month. What's that? You think the last month isn't a long enough sample size? Great. Thanks for asking. Over the last two months, Randle's number 140. No one inside the top 140 on the Knicks in the last two months. Bench them all, man. You could bench them all, and I wouldn't tell you you were wrong. Those are not startable guys in a 12-team league. All right, we're all caught up, everybody. Hey, again, please do visit our YouTube page. I really want you guys to drop me that thumbs up. I don't care about the... I know I did. we did the advertisements, and certainly I'd love if you were a part of that stuff, but the thing I really need you to do between now and February 10th, and I'm going to remind you every day... It's going to be annoying. Even after you do it, it's going to be annoying because you're going to have to sit and listen through it. But please go to youtube.com slash sports ethos or go to the link in the description of this podcast and click through and hit the thumbs up and the subscribe and the alarm button. You're not going to want to miss it. It's so much fun. Our live coverage is the best. I am Dan Bespris. This is Fantasy NBA Today. A sports ethos presentation at Dan Bespers on Twitter at ethos fantasy BK on Twitter for the best damn news feed on planet earth. Have a great Monday back at you tomorrow. Hey, think we're going to have Jonas on the pod this week. No, I said, we thought maybe next week it's looking more like this week. I know he's got some stashes up his sleeve. Stashes are hard, man. That's why we go to the best of the best for that stuff. Talk to you later. <laughs>